Maybe then you can see me and I can see you Maybe then we'll come together as a people Tired of the pain cause it ain't new Let's come together as a people Even if we don't share the same view Welcome to the Jesus and Everything Foundation podcast. On this show, we look at all problems affecting the world and we discuss how we can solve them using the character of Jesus, unity, and decentralization of resources available to us. The character of Jesus, or as I like to call them, the Jesus character principles, are principles that whether you are a Christian or not, we can all agree on these principles. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. For every episode, we discuss a problem topic from our category list. You can find this list on the Foundation's website, jaef.foundation. We ask ourselves and listeners, what is the goal? What is the vision for this problem category? What are the potential solutions? What are the obstacles? What resources do we need? And what resources do we have? But most importantly, do these solutions and resources pass the character test, the nine Jesus character principles? If yes, then we move on to collaboration. What does this look like? This show is a platform to get the ball rolling on as many problems affecting the world as we can. We want to go beyond just talking about problems. So after the show, we collaborate by acting. First, we open the discussion floor to our listeners. Then we decentralize and open source all of our resources from brain power, manpower, utilities to capital. Before every episode, I like to ask our viewers and listeners, do you ever ask yourself, where are we going? Where is this world going? Time keeps on ticking, the day ends, a new dawn arises, and life goes on. But what is our destination? Do we have any global objectives that unite us when it comes to things like food, security, healthcare, education, or standard of living? It's a fair question to ask. If you work for a company or work for yourself, you have a general idea about your company's vision. Goal. So what is our goal, our overarching vision as the current residents of this planet? What role is your company, your city, your country playing in the big picture? And what role are you who's listening to this playing in this big picture? series. It's under our big picture and global perspective category. You can find the full list of the industries we shall cover under this category on our website jf.foundation. That is j-a-e-f.foundation. The objective of this series is to establish the mindset that we can combat all these pressures we're experiencing in our world if we unite globally with specific global objectives for each industry and sector. The goal of this series is to drill down to the root of these problems and establish an ideal global objective that can be achieved if persons from different parts of the world are willing to drop the gloves, unite, roll up their sleeves, and get to work. In our last episode, we talked about doing job inventory after establishing an objective minimum standard of living. We discussed this concept of universal basic income 
as a wage subsidy by the government to companies that can't afford to pay their employees minimum standard of earning for minimum standard of living. We briefly unpacked the next phase of the economical evolution. How would we then innovate and rebuild off of this new standard where citizens are paid by law what affords them to live in a city, province, state, or region? In this episode, we pick up right from there. We take a deeper dive into minimum standard of living. Then we unpack and expose the flaws in our thinking and character that are the primary cause of our 21st century problems. We contrast this with the type of mindset that we need to harbor if we are to successfully overcome the biggest challenges in sectors like housing, infrastructure, manufacturing, healthcare, international and global trade. We also call upon individuals to adopt this mindset that it's going to take collaboration between them and their governments to tackle our 21st century challenges rather than the current divide between government and citizens that is happening all around the globe. I don't have all the answers, but I believe we can put our minds together and get to the bottom of things. So open up your heart and mind and let's take a ride around this planet and some countries. If it's fire, if it's rain of the WWE series, the Wild Wild Everywhere series. So we've been talking about the current economic landscape globally, and I'm presenting some arguments why I believe the fitting description of how things look around the world is the Wild Wild Everywhere, because that's what's going on globally. Now, this series isn't meant to be another bad news bearer. No. The goal, our goal here is to first pull back the curtain and then on on what's going on and then lay the foundation for a different mindset that we can use to tackle our problems globally. Because I think one of the biggest problems that we have right now is that we've gotten to a point in history where every country It doesn't matter whether you look at them as first world, second world, third world. They all have the same problems. They are all dealing with the same problems. Now, the only the only difference is is that the magnitude of their problems. That's that's the only difference. You see what I mean? So if you and and we we, we, in episode one, we say we establish another foundation of how to view the world, which is you don't, you shouldn't look at the world as first world, second world, third world, or develop, developing and underdeveloped. That's not accurate. But if you really want to look at all countries, it doesn't matter. And you just go by GDP down to the country with the lowest GDP every country is dealing with the same problems infrastructure isn't there in countries that you would call quote unquote you know first world countries their infrastructure is the capacity has been maxed out you know traffic is just as bad in so quote unquote first world countries as bad as it is in in quote unquote third world countries now, the healthcare systems, the, the problems of the healthcare systems on in both, quote unquote, again, first world, they're the same problems as, as third world. So uh, I'm saying to myself that, hey, 
looks like we're all dealing with the same problems. Now, if we're all fighting the same problems, why don't we fight this together? Because it seems that we're all trying to get to the same destination, but we're not relying on each other. That's, that's one of the biggest problems. We're not relying on each other. We've been divided, uh, you know, along party lines, you know, like Democrat, Republican, conservative, liberal, and, you know, along, uh, you know, other things like religion. But it's like we're all trying to get to the same place. And so it's, it's almost become like every country is trying to do their own thing. But one thing you have to realize that if you pull, if you really look at the geography of all, of every country, different countries have different climates, right? Different countries have different natural resources, whether it's renewable or not. Every country has been blessed with different resources. Now, if you really want to go back in time before these boundaries were put in place to say, this is the United States of America, this is Uganda, this is South Africa, this is Canada, you have to realize that those boundaries were man-made. So if you were to just kind of blur all those lines and say, and look at it, it'll just be like, there's a group of people living on a piece of land, right? That's, that's, that's how this picture would be. If you were to remove the borders and whatever, if you were to remove all the man-made stuff, like the borders that, that, that separate these countries, and you would realize that you can have all, all that you have without the borders and, and saying this is this country so-and-so, this country is called so-and-so, you'll realize at the end of the day, it's just human beings that are living on a planet. And the people who live in this corner of the planet have this problem. And the people who live in another part of the planet are dealing with another problem. But you realize that everyone is not sitting on the same resources, right? When it comes to uh, the natural resources, you know, below the surface of the ground, or, you know, when it comes to uh, renewable resources or those that are not. Different countries have different climates. You know, some countries are able to experience uh, tropical climate all year round. Other countries can't. So for me, it's, it, it's, it's stupid. It's dumb for me to look at a country that has uh, tropical climate that can support or facilitate things like food production for a whole um, continent or for, let's say, 10 other countries and ignore their resources, that is not maximizing efficiency. It, it just doesn't make sense that 10 other countries can suffer that don't have the benefit whose borders were, un, were, were, were created in a certain part of this planet that doesn't receive tropical climate all year round and totally ignore another country and say, hey, maybe you share some resources, things like capital and help this other country kind of fully maximize the potential of their GDP, uh, maybe when it comes to things like agriculture output. So we don't think about these things. This is the only way that this world can move forward. It is the only way is if you elevate just humanity above your country borders, if you elevate your solutions above the country borders and you get out of the mindset that, oh, I'm a Ugandan, I'm a Canadian, and so I deal with my problems as a Canadian. If you get out of being locked into these nomenclatures of like these, these names and you elevate your thinking to, oh, I'm a human being, 
that other human being, if I help them with this and that, they can help me too. You have to remember, if you go back in time, this is how trade first happened. The principles of barter trade were this easy. They were, I mean, they were this simple. It was, it was, it was simple as this. I can hunt. Well, that that is now going back way, way back. No, but it was, it was more like, I will trade you for this. You've got what I need, and I've got what you need, and that's how that, that's the premise of business. Like, you've got what I need, and I've got what you need. Now, unfortunately for them, they didn't have what we have today. They didn't have the means of communication. They didn't have. Um, internet they didn't have fast transportation there were no planes and things like that these guys had to move across oceans you know indian ocean atlantic ocean and they were still able to do business they were still able to achieve a level of economic stability that laid a foundation on which the uh following like the 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 the, the the next generations built their economic principles on. So for me, I look at it and say, if people, if our ancestors, our forefathers, who didn't have all the utilities and the skills that we have today, if they had a chance at what we have right now, they would be so far ahead of us. If you took every generation in history that has, that has lived on this planet before this current generation, and you gave them what we have today? Oh, oh my goodness. They would turn this whole thing around. So it, it just doesn't make sense. So for me, I, I, I just feel that we've, we've tried everything else. You know, a lot of the problems that we have, as, a, as, a, as, as I like to say, well, as I like to say, believe and think, it, it, when you boil everything down to, if you get under the noise, if you get under the whole noise of, oh, you're a Democrat, I'm a Republican, you're a liberal, I'm conservative, you're a Canadian, I'm American, you're a Ugandan, I'm South African, you're a Kenyan, you're a, Chi you know, you're a Chinese, uh, I'm, I'm Australian. If you get under all this noise, you are black, I'm white, you are, you are brown. I'm the, if you get under all this noise, you really come to see that if we're really trying to fight, if we are facing the same problems and we can work with each other and solve these problems, we can turn this thing around. There is no problem that is on this planet right now that isn't, well, I was going to say there's no problem that isn't man-made, but probably I'd say 80% of the problems we have on this planet are man-made. And I am very confident that they can all be solved. Like if, like every problem that we have on this planet can be solved. But the problem is you've got people, let's say if we need, we have a problem and we need 10 pieces. Think of it as a puzzle. So we've got 10 pieces to this puzzle. The problem right now is that different countries have different pieces to the puzzle, but they don't want to share. So maybe you can say the United States um, has maybe um, three pieces to that puzzle, right? And then you go to another part of the world, let's say in, in, in Africa, now you can go Uganda maybe has just one piece to the puzzle. And maybe um, maybe that maybe they've figured out how to solve it, but they've only figured out three out of the ten. And so different countries have different pieces to this puzzle. So the problem is right now is that there is again, there is this vain glory that we've we've bought into which says well the first country to land uh the first country to, the, the first person to land on the moon was was from this country and so what ends up happening is well how about there is a human being who went to the moon 
I get it, like from this country or that. But what you don't realize is that the moment you say the first person to land on the moon was from this country, you now create this competition whereby, not saying competition is bad, but I'm saying whereby if a person in another country, let's say if you have the space exploration team from, let's say, from Russia, if they know how to do something, if they have an answer to a problem that the that, that NASA is dealing with, who's to say that they they won't refuse to 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 share those answers? Because they don't want if they feel that NASA has found has figured out eight out of the ten pieces to this puzzle to get to Mars or to solve this problem, or they they're going to sit on there too, even though they have two, two problems. I mean, two solutions to this puzzle. They're just going to, they're just going to keep those two pieces because you know what? Everything that we end up doing right now is all about vain glory, which is they will feel like, Hey, if we, if we share this knowledge that we, you know, with, with the guys over at NASA, they're just going to beat their chest and say, oh, we're, oh, we're now the first we're the first person to land on Mars was an American or oh, was, was a Canadian. Do you see where the, that for me, that is. That is, again, to use my my for me, that kind of glory where everything is about self and you can see it's like across this whole planet down to our social medias, down to our pictures that we post, down to our whole culture. It's about who did it first. The same thing can be said about this uh, coronavirus and, and the vaccine. You know, there are a lot of countries that you would call, quote unquote, first world that, you know, by the time they were doing their second round of, of, of vaccinations, there were so many other countries that had barely gotten through 10% of their population being vaccinated. And it's still it's it's still the same case right now. It's it, there's, there's a lot of countries that don't have more than 20% of their population vaccinated. I know just from talking to some people, uh, for instance, like Uganda, they it's not more than a million people vaccinated. And that country has about um, about 42 million people. So you you can isolate this thing and say if if you really want to isolate it and say hey we, we got to take care of our country first now you have to understand people people don't understand when it, this thing is if you don't put in if you don't help out other countries as well you are handicapping yourself indirectly because i i i i had a story where i think it's happening uh, I don't know if it's Texas or or somewhere, but anyway, the, the mayor there was saying, hey, you know, when the news is talking about, oh, is the people in Texas or, you know, because of masks, you know, you know, no wearing masks or this or that is why these cases, you know, coming back and all of that. And, and, and he said, listen, the border, <laughs> the border is wide open, you know, a lot of people are crossing the border and they're not, you know, they, they are coming in with the cases and, and, and things of the nature. So if, if you isolate your country and then you say, you, you, you know, you're going to make sure everyone inside your country is taken care of, but then they steal people coming in and out of your country, traveling to these other places that you haven't maybe assisted in, in, in helping them, uh, contain this virus then whatever you're doing back at home is all, all the effort you're putting in back at home to protect your locals is 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 being wasted because you've got people in your own country who are traveling to other areas where the you know the virus is is still there and they're gonna fly back in and so you you can see this whole individualism that this this mentality that it's what's even probably you know keeping us in this pandemic countries are not really coming together and facing the enemy because again different countries are still fighting against each other and then 
that's when you look at it globally. And then once you once you once you zoom in, then you realize even within a country, different people are fighting against each other because of political parties or so you can see that unless we are able to transcend party lines, country lines, there's no way that this whole thing is just not going to be a mess. We're going to be stacking the wild, wild everywhere, and 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 it's just going to keep getting worse. So this series, as I said, the goal here is to say, hey, we can combat these pressures that we're experiencing in our world right now, but we have to take a different approach. We have to unite globally with specific global objectives for each industry and sector. So the goal of this series, uh, as, as you, if you've listened to the last two episodes, is to drill down to the root of these problems, establish some ideal global objectives that we can achieve if different people from different parts of the world say, hey, we're not going to fight anymore, or let's meet right here in the middle. We're trying to solve the same problem. If we don't solve this problem, this thing has dragged on for too long. And I'm not just talking about the virus. There's so many problems that we're dealing with as a world. And the, some of these problems can be solved in six months, three months, one year. But they've dragged out for over a decade because we don't want to transcend our country lines, our political party lines. So, and, and that's the thing, that's, that's the whole theme behind the foundation, you know, the Jesus and Everything Foundation. It's saying... We don't care what background you come from. We're trying to solve the same problems. We've created a character fabric that we believe that whether it doesn't matter what, what, what party you belong to, what religion you belong to, because a lot of people are trying to solve our problems right now in the world. They've eliminated character. And I, I strongly believe that if you put this character fabric back into how we solve our problems, we have a better chance at solving all our, if, if not all our problems, if we say, hey, we're gonna do everything with a certain character fabric. You know, we're gonna do things through what, we, what we've called the, uh, the nine Jesus character principles. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, goodness, self-control, faithfulness. You know, these, these are things that everyone wants to be on the receiving end of. It doesn't matter whether you're in business, whether you're a teacher, whether you're a politician. Everyone wants to be on the receiving end of these character principles. You would love to interact with someone who's loving. You know, if, you, if you're going through your day, you would love to interact with someone who, you know, when you look at them, when you're talking to them, they're not mean, they're not sad, you know, they, they have that joyful countenance, you know, you know, peace of mind. Right now, the whole world is being run amok, being driven, you know, this whole, we're dealing with a pandemic of, of, of COVID, but we have another epidemic that is picking up more steam than the pandemic. It's called the epidemic of mental health. You know, you, you had people some athletes, you know, dropping out of some uh, competitions in the in the Olympics. So, you know, you have young, you have teenagers, youth, adults, you know, a lot of people being affected by, you know, this by mental health issues. So it's 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 happening everywhere. But right from the inception of this foundation and when we when we talk about these problems that are affecting the world, I believe one of the biggest problems has been we've eliminated this character fabric from, from, from how we solve problems. You know, back in the day when you hear of our forefathers and or, or in our grandparents, great grandparents, people used to say they never needed lawyers because, man, you'll strike a deal with someone, you'll strike a $10 million deal, a $1 million deal or $100,000 deal by just shaking your hand with someone and you will take their word for it and they will take your word for it. Your word was your bond. People would not break their word. That's how it is. That's, that, that's how it has always been. 
but it shows you how far we've fallen off to whereby, you know, you can't just ship, you can't just do a handshake deal. You got to have lawyers involved. Lawyers have to get a piece of the pie. And, and then the, the cost of everything just goes up because we've lost the trust. We've lost that character whereby you can look at a man or a woman in their eyes and say, you told me this and I believed you. But we don't have that. So, I mean, I, I didn't mean to <laughs> kind of just go off into character and this, but if you really boil down things, if you really just boil it down, all of our problems come because of this lack of character fabric. These these nine Jesus principles, whether whether you believe in God or not, that that doesn't that doesn't matter. Everyone on this planet likes to be on the receiving end of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. But we've lost that. It's 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 not even in politics at all. I mean, they you know, people just say what they want to say to get the votes, and then once they're in, they're in bed with the with the bad guys. It's it, it, we've lost character in our homes. We've lost character in, in our leaders. You know, we've lost character in you know, with even religious leaders themselves. So this this has been character has dropped out. That's why we have so many problems. So anyways, the first thing that we did was um, in episode one, you know, we talked about how to view the world economically. And we say it's deceiving to think, and this is the problem, it's deceiving when you think of the world as, oh, I live in the first world country. You live in a second world country. You live in a third world country or my country is developed. Your country is developing. You, you are the countries underdeveloped. It's not accurate. So one of the things we did is we introduced a more statistically accurate view using Hans Rosling motto, which says, um, if you divide the world's population, you can divide it into four income levels. You know, we, we had level one, level two, level three, level four. But the premise was that if you look all the way from level one down, you know, up to level four, level one uh, is between zero to two dollars. And this is, you know, the income that people are living on per day, zero to two dollars. You have one billion people there. Then level two, where you have two dollars to eight dollars, you have three billion people living on that income per day, two dollars to eight dollars. And then you have level three, which is $8 to $32. And you have another 2 billion people living on this. And then level four, which is the highest, which is $32 and more. There's only 1 billion people on this level. Our argument was that this is, this is not good because, you know, I give some examples of, you know, population of the U.S. and is about 328 million people. That of Canada is about 30, you know, 38 million people. And I say, and and if you combine the population of the US, Canada, and all of Europe, you have 1.1 billion people. So if you put all of US, Canada, and Europe on the highest income level, which is $32 and beyond and more you would still have 111, 12 million people on the outside looking in. That shows you how bad we're doing economically. So when you when you move away from like, you know, like your, your country and, and you just transcend that, it really shows you how bad it is. Because what people don't understand is that um, you have GDP, then you have GNI, you know, And, and these are also affected by, you know, when you look at trade that is happening between countries, you know, if you're exporting, you know, if you compare what you're exporting versus what you're importing. So there's always been this, in, this dependency on other countries. But, it's, but when you isolate it down to your country and you think, oh, I live in a first world country, 
But when we paint this picture that if you took all of the US, Canada and Europe, where you would consider the biggest populations of or the quote unquote first world countries, you would still have 112 million people on the outside looking in who wouldn't, who wouldn't be living on the 32 uh, dollars, the, the, the highest income level, which is level four. And then we were also talking about, uh, we introduced, we started talking about standard of living, standard of earning, minimum wage, minimum standard of living and mandating uh, minimum standard of living globally. Now, again, one of the things to say is minimum wage should be phased out. It, it, it's deceiving. It's, it's very deceiving. It doesn't make sense to say that the minimum wage in a city, for instance, is, is uh, $12, $12 per hour, right? And yet, the, if you calculate the minimum standard of living, that person would need to earn, let's say, $20 per hour or $16 per hour. If the minimum standard of living requires them to earn $18 per hour, right? But then you've set the law of minimum wage being 10, 12, $12 per hour. I mean, how stupid is that? Do you see where these policies just don't make sense? Like, it's... It is mind-boggling how <laughs> you don't even need to be, <laughs> you don't need to be, you don't even need to align with any political party. All you need is a calculator to know that this just doesn't make sense. Just logically, it doesn't matter. So that's the, that's the thing is that we're spending a lot of time talking politics this is this is just to get people's eyes off of the real problems. All of this back and forth on all of these news channels, back and forth, pointing fingers, it is all useless. It's nonsense. You don't even have to have been a politician for being in politics for 30 years. If you took someone who's in sixth grade and you said, does this make sense to you? that this person lives in this city. The minimum standard of living requires them to earn $18 per hour. But you, you the politician, you, the, the, the whatever, you've set the law of the land to say that the minimum wage is $12, $12 an hour. Can't you see that there's no way this person is ever going to get out of date? Like they, they are working their negatives. They're always going to all the system $6. This is just, uh, it just drives me nuts. You don't have to be Republic, Democrat or whatever. This is, when it comes to things like this, just take out the calculator, look at the numbers. So that's the thing. When people are screaming minimum wage or fighting to, you know, taking, I don't know how many years to get it down from like $8 then down up to $10, and then from $10 up to $12. And it's like, guys, it's taken us five years, six, seven years, however many years per country, I don't know, so, so, so many of these to keep up with, to move this minimum wage from $6 to $8 to $10 to $12, 10, let's say 10 years. But we've never got into the number. We, yet the minimum standard of living just increases almost per year, per month in some places. You know, per, per quarter. Okay, let's say it's increasing per year. It's increase the, the rate of increase of the of the minimum standard of living is higher than the rate of increase of the minimum wage. But we've got politicians. We are voting. We are we 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 are so loyal to our parties. That we're just gonna carry their flags high. We're just gonna bleed whatever, bleed this party, and we just miss the whole purpose of why governments were put in place. 
the math doesn't add up. But you see, we spend we we, we can spend eight years. Oh, pass it down from Congress, take it down to the Senate, have people sign on it. Then we're looking on oh, now. You know, this party is for it because it's it's, it's like, dude. We're talking about livelihood here. We're talking about livelihood here. So for the last 10 years that you've had a whole popular, a bit like a percentage of the population working at a minimum wage that is below the minimum standard of living that just keeps on going up. And these people don't even have any, they don't really affect that minimum standard of living. That's another thing that I'm going to introduce uh, hope, yeah, not hopefully, but I will at some point is I'm going to point out the main determinants, the, the main determining factors of standard of living. It, it is, you know, you, you might, you might think that minimum standard of living is determined by specific factors that cause the standard of living to go up or go down. But the people who are being paid below the minimum standard of living they don't get to have a say in whether it should go up or down, but you you keeping there you keeping them in this kind of like, you know you know what I mean. You're not fighting for them. You're ignoring the people that you should be fighting for. So that's why I say it. It's it's garbage. This whole minimum wage thing it, it just should be phased out. It should just be called if you're gonna call it minimum wage, it should be tied to minimum standard of living. That's it. And then we were talking about um, now once once we have once we agree that okay minimum wage should be minimum standard of living we said okay this minimum standard of living should be objective uh, objectively defined determined at three different levels you know you have city level provincial or state or regional level and then country level. But it's got to be objective. And the other thing that I said was that it should be a human rights violation if the minimum standard of living isn't met everywhere around the world. You see, this is this is this again goes back to global objectives that we we have to say, hey, this is this is kind of like the law of the land universally is people can't be living on this minimum or People, we don't. We it doesn't matter to us. We're gonna we're gonna determine what is the minimum standard of living across the globe, different countries, different cities, different states. But it's objective, and that's the bar. Because when you don't, when when you don't um, have this as the law of the land universally, you know what happens it starts to trickle down and cause bigger problems in other areas like healthcare. The biggest, uh, the, another really big area that is affected is immigration. When it comes down to it, um, most people, now these people who leave their countries because these things like, you know, um, you know, civil wars and things like that. Of course, that, that that happens. But I think most people move from place to place because they're looking for better opportunities. You know, they hear, oh, if you go to this country, you know, you you know, like, let's say people going over to, you know, that the American dream. So someone was, hey, I'm going to go chase the American dream. But it's not that those people hate their countries. Now they they're just moving in faith. They believe that if I can go to a place where there's kind of like a higher standard of living, and I have some kind of, you know, it's almost like a trampoline. Like if I can get that initial push, man, I I, I can, I have a better chance of getting to my destination you know, whatever, whatever you want to achieve in, in life. 
But now, when we don't hold other countries accountable to this, we, we, then we start dealing with all these problems. You know, healthcare, immigration, um, uh, the epidemic of mental health. But even if you're not looking at immigration, even if you just now come back to every country and you say, why? I think one of the reasons, let's say, if you look at mental health, and let's say, okay, let's look at the US or maybe let's look at Canada and, and, and you look at things like depression, anxiety, suicide, you know, drug addiction, hate speech, racism, division, all, all of these. But if you to pick out like depression, anxiety, suicide, you can tie this is, is that a lot of people are, they, they, they've essentially lost hope. They don't see a way out of it. And standard of living really affects that. It plays a big, it plays a big, it's, it's a de determining factor in people's uh, mental health. You know, being in debt can drive you crazy. You know, people are, and yes, these people that have poor spending habits and whatnot, but people are being squeezed. People saying, hey, I, I work my tail off, you know, and I'm putting in double shifts, triple shifts, and, I, and I'm still barely getting by. I've got all this student debt. And then now the city that I'm living in, I can't even afford to live in this city. So now I, I you know, one of the things that I still don't understand right now is when you look at the housing, the housing, uh, the housing sector, you know, when we grew up and I'm, I'm talking like I'm very old, um, but I grew up in a house, you know, I, I didn't grow up in an apartment and there's something, there's something to be said about this, you know, the, the, the North American culture. Now when, let, let's just look at housing. For me, with a country, you know, I'm talking for Canada right now in the US, and I'm pretty sure it happened. I, um, I don't know what the situation is with, you know, in Europe, but I'll, I'll just talk about the US and Canada. For countries that have the capacity to build infrastructure, like real infrastructure that don't really have any handicaps, you know, it's, it's not, we're not talking about other countries whereby they've never done it. You know, countries that have built, you know, if you, these countries have the capacity to build infrastructure, you know, what the problem is right now, the, I don't even know what these city planners or the people who plan, I don't even know what they're thinking. I don't understand for the life of me, how you can think that building more apartments is the answer. And on top of that, you squeeze people in these tiny apartments that are also <laughs> unaffordable and, and you don't expect that to cause depression or anxiety. People are locked in their apartments. Owning a house is now a dream. It, it, it's, it's becoming a young, rich and famous dream. And I'm not talking about owning a house in like San Francisco down in like Silicon Valley, because that's another, that's another, that's a different conversation whereby, you know, you could be earning $300,000 a year and steal that can't afford you a house. I'm, I'm talking about like other states. I'm talking about other provinces whereby we have so much land. You know, Canada, for instance, you know, the population is not even about 40 million people. We have so much land. But this mentality that everyone should be squeezed into the city is just what what is going on? What is what is really going on? Why aren't we building infrastructure and turning other places into the same city that we're trying to cramp everybody in? It just doesn't make sense. 
instead of incentivizing people just to turn every plot right now, you know, any place that could, you know, that's the problem. Every parking spot, every available parking, you know, square footage, you know, they just think build an apartment. That's the only thing they think of. Well, if we can build, put up a structure here, which which is the size of a parking lot of let's say you know a hundred cars or something like that. Well, if we if we can just put an apartment here, you know, I don't know, twenty stories up, squish a certain number of people in here, then guess what? You you've turned parking space into apartment space. You're trying to squish people, and of course, people people are just gonna gravitate towards. You know, we all human beings have this thing called formal, you know, fear of missing out. You know, you live in a city, you live in a place that looks like it's upbeat. You know, you'll be drawn to that place because you believe you don't want you don't want to feel like you're missing out. And I'm thinking, hey, wait a minute. What was Las Vegas before it became Las Vegas? It was an empty piece of land and it was turned into that. And we've seen that same model duplicated around the whole world. Go to these uh uh Dubai, what are they called? The Palm, the Palm Springs or whatever, those those two islands, man-made islands. It's not that we can't do these things. Is we just there is something blinding us. And of course, I'm I'm we're being blinded. We'll take a break and pick up from here. next episode, we'll continue talking about the mindset that we need to harbor if we are to successfully overcome the biggest challenges of the 21st century in sectors like housing, infrastructure, manufacturing, healthcare, international and global trade. This was episode 3 of the WWE series, the Wild Wild Everywhere series. Your host for today was Calvin Cabanda. Thanks for listening and see you on the next episode. and make up even with the bitter cup forgave my brothers a drink up did everything but gave up stabbed my back i came front still we win we prayed up even when we die we raise up ain't no wanting no we need it the powers that beat have been greedy we need ours by this evening no white flag or no treaty we got the product we got the tools we got the minds we got the youth we going wild we on the loose people is lying we are the truth Everything old should now become new The leaves will be green, bearing the fruit Love God and our neighbor as written in Luke The army of God and we are the truth